holy sweet mother of God shit. Hello, hello, hello. What, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I hope no one's eating dinner. The next best thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for dear Jesus. Something like that. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff. Usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something something to keep us in business if you like what you hear tonight well a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that uh if you feel so inclined you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt again that's rfb.nyc slash nbt oh man that was exhausting wasn't it it was for me i'm sure it was for you too so that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Yes, we are all human beings, God damn it, and our lives have value, most of them. Welcome. Welcome to The Next Best Thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night, 
from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I have to tell you, folks, I love and I love spending this time together on Monday nights. But, you know, we find ourselves in this news cycle, this constant news cycle where it doesn't feel like we get much good news. And whenever we do get good news for the side of, well, not Republican, it's hard to, I mean, good news for Democrats lately is it seems so goddamn insignificant because what's good news? Good news is, oh, Susan Collins might vote a certain way. Oh, wait, no, she never fucking votes how we want her to. There's always that lingering moment of hope, and she always lets us down. So perhaps we should learn and stop counting on Susan Collins to do anything good. That's just a sidebar. There's a lot, you know, last week we had our Halloween episode. We had so much fun. We didn't discuss any current events. We didn't discuss politics for even a second. And so we got to make up for lost time, folks. There's so much going on in the news, so much going on in the world. It is getting cold out there. It finally is starting to feel like fall, almost like winter. Actually hold it. Speaking of news, it was very interesting the other day. I happened to catch a segment on CNN that featured two classic newsmen. It was really crazy because one of them, I think they're both in their mid to late 80s. One is probably pushing 90. Dan Rather was on CNN with Sam Donaldson of ABC. These are old school newsmen. I'm sure you know who Dan Rather is. Sam Donaldson wasn't the the main anchor on ABC, but he did a lot. I mean, he was there for what's felt like a thousand years. Now, every now and then, we'll talk about people who are from a different generation, who have been through a whole lot more than I have and probably you have. And I like to call it people who know things. People who know a lot more than we do. Because they've seen it, they've lived it, they've done it. Well, these two men would certainly know more than most of us about almost anything because they've been the world over. They've reported on presidents, leaders of other countries, wars. Dan Rather has been, he's been reporting the news since he was like 17 and he's almost 90 and I'm pretty sure he still has some weird show on Access TV. Anywho, it was interesting to get their perspective on what is currently going on in this country. Here's what he had to say. Here's what Dan Rather had to say. What do you think is going on? Have you ever seen anything like this before? No, and neither has anyone else in terms of the American presidency. Don, I think that the danger of this moment in history boils down to one question. Mm. Do you have any idea how low this president is prepared to sink in an effort to defend himself, his power, and his money? The answer is no one knows. His critics don't know. His enablers don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure the president himself knows how low he's prepared to go. You know, I expect much more erratic behavior, much more dangerous behavior than we've seen already, which makes it all the more important that everyone try as best we can to contain this president and the damage that he's doing to the country. Yeah, I agree. And it is scary. I mean, you have to understand, Dan Rather has literally done live news reports in Vietnam in the middle of an active war zone. He went head-to-head with Richard Nixon 
on multiple occasions. He was in Dallas, Texas, around Dealey Plaza, when JFK was shot. He has seen a lot of things. And for him to say that we are in serious danger, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it's also very easy for people of my generation and people of our generation to kind of feel like, yeah, things are crazy right now, but you know what? I don't really care about politics. It doesn't really affect me necessarily on a day-to-day basis. It's going to be fine. Everything's always going to be fine. Well, in a way, I guess that's kind of a nice ignorance is bliss type of philosophy. But when it comes to climate stuff, I mean, it, it was made official today that Donald Trump did once and for all cut ties with the Paris Climate Accords. So it's official. We are out. So when it comes to things like climate, the gun crisis, healthcare, jobs, and really the future, I mean, all I really care about is climate and gun control because those are things that are going to kill me, kill you, and kill my perhaps future kids, my current nieces and nephews. Nobody knows how low Donald Trump will stoop because he's been in office for three years now. And there hasn't been a single day when he hasn't gotten worse in some way or another. Honestly, and I'm going to be, here's the thing. So I was absolutely crushed when Donald Trump somehow stole the presidency. I really was. I mean, you'll, you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger admirer and fan of Hillary Clinton than I am. And I'll fight anybody about that. She was a bad candidate. Suck my balls. She was a bad candidate. Hillary Clinton has accomplished more in her life than 16 of us will probably ever do combined. But that's neither here nor there. I actually, and this is true, I truly believe that when Donald Trump somehow found himself in the White House, somehow unexpectedly found that he had won that election. I actually thought maybe, just maybe, he could if by no other way than finding people who know things and kind of taking a step back and taking it easy and being kind of a charmer, I thought he actually could end up being a decent president. What? 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 What are you talking about? Why do I say that? Well, let's think about this. For as pompous and as disgusting as he was and is, he is a native New Yorker. He did grow up in New York City. And typically, and this is ironic and kind of, you know, suspicious in my opinion, most New Yorkers, especially people who actually grew up here, are typically pretty open-minded and progressive and smart, you know? They grew up surrounded by people of all races, of all genders and all sexualities. And they're, it's just part of life. So with that in mind, I never really believed that he was as, I mean, he's not religious. He doesn't care about abortion. I don't think he really likes guns. He said so. He said all those things before. So my hope was that once he found himself much to his dismay and surprise, in the White House, he would kind of take a step back, drop the act, and do, you know, at least try to do a good job. Well, that didn't happen. He has gone off the rails because he's a psychopath. I mean, truly, 
I don't just say that, you know, flippantly. I think he truly has, whether it's his age, whether it's some other form of mental illness, he's, he's not right. He's not, a, he's not right. And he hasn't done a decent job at anything, at anything. And it's true. Dan Rather has seen, has never seen anything like this. Neither has anyone else, including Sam Donaldson. Sam, you know, like Dan, you spent decades covering multiple presidents. What, what do you make of what we're seeing? Well, I make something new because I haven't seen it before. Mm. You know, I think Donald Trump lies by default. I mean, he just says things, doesn't care what it says, uh, it doesn't matter to him, and it doesn't matter that even if he knows they're not true. Well, for instance, he visited Mount Vernon. He looked at it. He said, well, it should have uh, George Washington's name on it. I like to put my name on things. He said if Washington put his name here, then people would have remembered him. Oh, my God. He's an idiot. Really? I mean, like, that's what I'm talking about. I thought he would at least have the sense to not say shit like that. But he doesn't. And, um, you know, Dan Rather is someone that I truly, he really is on my list of, like, people I really do look up to. And when he was asked about why Donald Trump says shit like that, I thought he made a very astute point. Dan, today, uh, the president is trying to claim that he doesn't profit from his presidency because he doesn't take a salary. Listen to this. I give away my presidential salary. They say that no other president has done it. I'm surprised. Okay, stop. They say. Uh, we all know that he says shit like that. You know, people say that this, or they say, who the fuck is they? They is nobody. When he says generic shit like that, you know, people say, they tell me, well, I've heard, that means he's lying. That means he's making it up. To be honest with you, they actually say that George Washington may, may have been the only other president to do but see whether or not Obama gave up his salary. First of all. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Don Lemon. First of all, they say they don't say that. Number one. Number two, isn't it interesting and kind of strange how he went from they I'm the only one who's ever given up his salary. Oh, well, maybe 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 George Washington. And then he leaps to Obama. Why is he obsessed with Obama? Now. Some people say because he's a racist. I don't think that's necessarily the real reason. I think it's because, come on, Obama is cool. Obama is, he plays basketball. He's funny. We've actually learned that he can sing. He has a nice voice. He was also like, what, the editor of the Harvard Law Review, something like that. Not to mention the first black president of the United States of America. Donald Trump is nothing, is a fat, bloated clown. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, he's wrong. Herbert Hoover, John F. Kennedy donated their salaries. Uh, but that is really besides the point. He's comparing himself to Washington. Why does he need to put himself on a pedestal like that? Because he's afraid. He's fearful of what's happened. He's lost control of the narrative. For most of his presidency, he had control of the narrative. Just in the last 10 days to two or three weeks, he's lost control of the narrative. And I will say, Don, that all of this is 
part of a diversion talking about, you know, look, I don't make any money. Everybody knows members of his family have been all over the world making deals. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows he has a heavy investment in Turkey, which is one of the reasons it, it is suspected that he made the decision to leave the Kurds open to genocide. I do think that a line was crossed when he double-crossed the Kurds. Mm -hmm. Americans like to think of ourselves, we like to think of ourselves as we keep our word. And I do think that something moved. I won't say it's enough to get him impeached, much less convicted on impeachment charges. But there's something working out there, Don. I mean, I hope, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. And I'm encouraged that he still has some faith in this country. I am struggling to have that faith. All right, let's dig into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Here's what's making news tonight. All right, here's what's making news tonight. Now, the reason I started the show with that clip from Network is because I found it fitting. I'm very fed up and angry. Are you? If not... Why the hell not? And can I take some of the drugs you're on? Here we go. So, have you heard of the name Alexander Vindman? Probably not. Let me explain, okay? Last week, a White House official and lifelong public servant named Alexander Vindman testified as part of the impeachment inquiry. Now, Vindman is, and I don't say shit like this ever, but he truly is like the living embodiment of what they call the American dream, the American story. As a three-year-old, he and his family of Jewish refugees came to this country with nothing but a suitcase and $750 to their name. They were fleeing the Soviet Union. His father worked multiple jobs and learned English at night so that his sons could grow up, graduate from college, receive a military commission, and serve the United States in the form of multiple overseas tours. Now, on combat deployment in Iraq in 2003, Vindman was injured by an IED and it was awarded a Purple Heart. He has worked in several embassies and he joined the National Security Council last year after passing an extensive, get this, an extensive background check. Unlike some other people who work in the West Wing, that we know of who didn't pass said background check. Okay. This guy has spent his whole life serving America in one form or another, his biography, his life of service, all of those things make the repugnant attacks against him just truly remarkable. And even in a time when attacks on any and all of our institutions have become so commonplace that we barely notice them. This was unique. This really made me sick and just made me angry. Donald Trump went from not knowing who Alexander Vindman even was to calling him a never-Trumper and human scum all in the course of about 90 minutes last week. He's despicable. He is a despicable human being. Because that's just how he is. 
He doesn't need to know anybody to know they're human scum, apparently. But you know what? In this case, Donald Trump's attacks, that was nothing compared to the smear campaign that was to follow on cable news. We also know he was born in the Soviet Union, emigrated with his family, young. Uh, he tends to uh, feel simpatico with the Ukraine. It seems very clear that he is incredibly concerned about Ukrainian defense. I don't know that he's concerned about American policy, but his main mission was to make sure that the Ukraine got those weapons. I understand that. We all have an affinity to our homeland where we came from. Like me, I'm sure that Vidman has the same affinity. Here we have a U.S. national security official who is advising Ukraine while working inside the White House, apparently against the president's interest, and usually they spoke in English. Isn't that kind of an interesting angle on this story? I find that astounding, and you know, some people might call that espionage. Yes, some people who are so dumb they probably shouldn't be let out by themselves. Espionage? What are you nuts? These people. You know what? Actually, before I even say anything, I think, I, do, I think Nicole Wallace of MSNBC, she really had the perfect reaction to all that nonsensical garbage. I find that astounding. And you know, some people might call that espionage. Except those people aren't chicken like the three of you. And they know that he passed a background check that the president's daughter and son-in-law didn't. Right. You know, those people who say that shit. I mean, Alexander Vindman is a lieutenant colonel of the army. He's the top Ukraine expert on the Security Council. And he was actually on that phone call, that infamous quid pro quo phone call between Donald Trump and the president of Ukraine. He was on the call. He heard it himself. He heard it himself. And twice he raised objections about it. Because he knew it was outrageous. He raised objections about it out of what he called a sense of duty. A sense of duty. Not to himself. See, that's all that Donald Trump thinks about. But a sense of duty to the country. For these boorish, brainless sacks of human garbage to imply that he somehow... I don't even know. What, working for Ukraine? I mean, he look, you know, he has... He has he has a connection to the Ukraine. So, hey, he's worth looking out for Ukraine, right? What the fuck are you talking about? For them to imply that, and or that he, uh, what, that he was um, somehow out to get Trump or harm America. I mean, it's, it's beyond the fucking pale, and I'm sick of hearing it. I'm sick of hearing this horse shit. I'm sick of tolerating it. Now, I would say they should be ashamed of themselves, but clearly these people have no shame whatsoever. None. I'm tired of this. Enough! Moving right along. I'm tired of all of this. There's so much we're going to go over, and I hate all of it. Next on the list, Kellyanne Conway, Steve Bannon, Lindsey Graham, they're all making the rounds this weekend. Now, seeing these people do what they do, go on TV and, you know, dodge questions, divert attention, defend the indefensible. That's not new. I hate it. I've always hated it, still hate it, but it's not new. I am so fucking sick of it, though, and it just makes me so goddamn angry nowadays. And no! 
laugh. Exactly. I'm going to say it again. This incompetent, petulant, fat fuck. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this guy, here's the, here's what really gets me so goddamn angry. Donald Trump could be held accountable. He could be exposed. He could be gotten rid of. He could be taken out of the equation in a matter of days. He really could. All it would take, all it would take is for just a few of these Republicans, these people, to just snap the fuck out of it and do what is so obviously necessary. I mean, I don't want to be hearing like, I don't want to preach that it's the right thing to do. Do the right thing, friends. Right or wrong, it's necessary. He's fucking out. He's insane. Now, given the damage he has done and the spiraling out of control that he's been doing for about two years now, you would think, you would think that surely, surely there's three, four, five, one Republican that might just be possible to convert. And yet, just yesterday, as I pointed out, these these people, Kellyanne, Steve Bannon, Lindsey Graham, they all made the rounds. They were all on cable TV. First up, we got Kellyanne Conway, who spends literally over a minute here refusing, doing anything and everything she can to not answer a single question. She's confronted with multiple witness testimonies, a lot of evidence proving a certain thing to be true. And really all she's being asked to do is to confirm that it is true. I mean, it'd be like if I held some ice cream in front of you and said, is this cold? And you said, well, I, you know, things can be warm and they can be cool. And, you know, typically food that has to go in the freezer is not warm. And just that's, you just kept saying shit like that until someone went and you snapped out of it. Here's Kellyanne Conway. Have seen our opening statements from House testimony from three U.S. officials describing quid pro quo. The top diplomat in Ukraine, Bill Taylor, said the following. Ambassador Sondland also told me that he now recognized that he had made a mistake by earlier telling the Ukrainian officials to whom he spoke that a White House meeting with President Zelensky was dependent on a public announcement of investigations. In fact, Ambassador Sondland said everything was dependent on such an announcement, including security assistance. Everything was dependent on an announcement of those investigations. And then he presented the taxi receipt from was was the administration Sondland. holding up military aid in exchange for this investigation? They have the Joe aid. Biden. They're using the aid. They no, had no but was it being held up at the time? Not so now. Then. I think I think if you're going to do respectfully what Adam Schiff does, which is come out and cherry pick. 10 seconds or 10 minutes of 10 hours worth of testimony. The, the, we have no access to the full testimony because everything's been done in the dark and secret. That process has been flawed from the beginning. We cannot unscramble the egg, put the toothpaste back in the tube now. What the fuck is she talking about? She, someone shoot her with a tranquilizer gun. Even now, but I'm not talking about the process. Later. I'm talking about the substance. So, was what does military say later? Was military later. aid? I'm asking you just broadly. They've got their aid, and, and now the I'm talking about then. Said. Was it? Was there a time when military aid was held up because the president wanted Ukraine to look into the Biden? I don't know, but I know they've got their aid, and I know that. So it's that possible Solid, that that happened. Here's what's here's what's absolutely un, unimpeachably true. Ukraine has that aid. They have more aid than they had under the previous administration. But it is possible that it was held up aid. at a time. No one asked if they had the fucking aid. 
Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Do it again. Slap her again. Okay. Next up, we have Steve Bannon. Now, this is really remarkable. Steve Bannon, he talks, 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 usually talks over Anderson Cooper without ever saying really anything at all. The idea that Trump thinks about anything other than this impeachment stuff during every waking moment is just laughable, first off. You'll hear Steve Bannon make that claim. But then he actually suggests, I mean, just take a listen. What do you make of the White House's strategy thus far? Look, I think it, it has a strategy. President Trump believes he didn't do anything wrong. He's adamant about that. I think he's busy running the country. Mary's got USMCA, the Chinese, uh, what's happening in Syria. And you think, I think he's he not feels, focused on this? You think he's running? I, mean, I think he's focused, He seems I, very focused on I this think, in the Twitter world. I think he's focused on this the way he focuses on it. Do you believe that phone conversation with the Ukrainian president was perfect? I think when you look at what President Trump's, I, I haven't seen anything on the transcript. I haven't seen anything in the drive. I looked at Mike Pompeo's speech today. I haven't seen anything he's done that I think is wrong or inappropriate. So just and in, I think in, the, in general, is it okay for a president, any president, to ask a foreign leader of a country fighting uh, a war against our adversaries in need of aid to do a political favor and investigate his political opponent hold aid This is where your premise is wrong. Number one... The, the, one of the things that started this was Secret Empires, the book that Peter Schweitzer did that went after the permanent political class. This is where Biden and, and Mitch McConnell and others, they were talking about, you know, where they get their money from. And Biden and okay, both China, okay? and China, hold on, and China and Ukraine. And, and the issues were when he was vice president. I don't buy the assumption. So you have this premise that it's about a political opponent. What he's, what they're investigating is the corruption oh, overall. Come on, give me no. a break. You're a smart guy. You no. know a, very corruption, well corruption that that's his overall. goal. It's not. It is. No, it's a, Wait, as a constitutional so the, right. officer. If you're Okay. Concerned number about, one, we, number we, one, number one, number one. If you're should, concerned, Joe about, Biden should be more, uh, Anderson should be more investigated, I think, about China and what okay. he did at the time in China with his son, okay. how, how he well, got the, the billion dollars. agrees with you and hold, has asked China to investigate. Hold it. And the, but, but hold no, it. And the, the, the island, islands in the, oh, in the South China Sea. Okay. Let me, let, uh, but the, on the so question. I don't buy your premise. Okay. The, and I'm, the, not, I'm, not, I'm not putting you on. I'm not kidding. No, I, okay. I don't buy the premise. But, but shut the fuck up. I mean, why do they, why do they have them on these shows? I cannot believe Anderson Cooper didn't just fucking snap. I would have, I would have been, I would have been like, for God's sake, shut up. So yeah, you heard Steve Bannon say that Donald Trump, you know, he's busy. He's busy running the White House and he's got all these other things going on. Those other things take up most of his time. Horseshit. First of all, even if that was true, let's say Donald Trump had meetings here, meetings there, traveling across the country. Well, he always seems to have his phone with him because he's tweeting nonstop. And we know what he's thinking about because he's tweeting about what he's thinking about. And that's all this stuff. So laughable. And then to suggest that Trump's request of Ukraine to dig up dirt on Biden was somehow not political. I mean, who do they think they're fucking fooling? What are you nuts? Well, that was loud, so I am nuts, I guess. Truly, though, God, I'm just tired of the nonsense. It's all nonsense. Next up on the lineup, we have the Southern Belle, Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina. Now, you may have heard that Trump recently referred to um, these impeachment proceedings as a lynching. If you didn't hear that, well, let me be the first to tell you. Donald Trump referred to these impeachment proceedings as a lynching. 
Now, everyone knows that's a term that's often associated with African Americans and how they were treated, you know, back during the days of slavery. Now, with that in mind, I'd like to go ahead and play for you what Lindsey Graham, I repeat, the senator from South Carolina, had to say when asked whether or not that was an appropriate term for Trump to use. Lynching. Here's what he had to say. South Carolina. Have you tweeted on lynching this morning, comparing it to his impeachment inquiry? What is your reaction to that? I think that's pretty well accurate. This is a sham. This is a joke. I'm going to let the whole world know that if we were doing this to a Democratic president, you would be all over me right now. Not one person has asked me a question. What do you think about the fact that President Trump doesn't know who his accuser is? What do you think about the fact that the Republican minority cannot call witnesses, that everything's done behind closed doors? I can only imagine if this were a Democratic president what you would be saying to me right now. So it shows a lot of things about our national media. When it's about Trump, who cares about the process as long as you get him? So, yeah, this is a lynching in every sense. This is un-American. I've never seen a situation in my lifetime as a lawyer where somebody's accused of a major uh, misconduct who cannot confront the accuser, call witnesses on her behalf, and have the discussion in the light of the day so the public can judge. Oh, Lindsey Graham. So first off, let's just point out something. Call me crazy, but I feel like if you're a senator from really any southern state, but particularly from South Carolina, you probably don't want to back or have anything to do with a lynching metaphor. I don't know. Just my take. More than that, though, you hear Lindsey Graham say over and over again about how how different this would be if this was a Democrat president. You haven't asked me a single question. I can't believe it. I'm so frazzled. This is crazy. It's a lynching in a never sense of the word. Well, now, it almost feels stupid to even address this because so many people, so many outlets, so many networks have pointed it out multiple times. But they did do this to a Democrat. Oh, yeah, they did. You see, Lindsey Graham was there. He was part of it. He knows. They impeached Bill Clinton, a Democratic president, because he got a blowjob in the Oval Office and then lied about it because he was embarrassed. Now, they did that to Bill Clinton. And frankly, Bill Clinton's infraction was certainly improper, certainly wrong. I do not recommend it. I do not approve. But I will say this. It had no effect on our national security, no effect on foreign policy. It broke no campaign finance laws. It in no way was used to extort anybody, much less a foreign leader. It didn't violate a single clause in the Constitution, including the Emoluments Clause. In other words, Lindsey Graham was part of a class of Republicans that impeached a president for what is, in this case, probably the equivalent to jaywalking, okay? But he stands here today to decry Democrats who are, who have not even yet impeached a, a Republican who has basically committed the equivalent to first-degree murder. If we're, compa- if we're saying that Bill Clinton did, you know, was impeached for crimes, there's no comparison. What the fuck are we talking about? It's out, it's, un, it's you know, I'm just tired of listening to it. It's just, I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm not 
naive enough to be like, what's with all this partisanship? Can't we all work together, please? That's, you know, come on. I think I'm pretty reasonable. And I, you know, I'm all for going to battle when it comes to battle of ideas and, you know, compromising when necessary, all that shit. This is insane. This stuff is just insanity. And I guess it should come as no surprise, really, especially from Lindsey Graham, because for as much as you can smell Donald Trump's ass on his breath, here he is, the very same Lindsey Graham talking about his beloved Donald Trump, not but three years ago, less than three years ago, in fact. What is your reaction to Donald Trump? Disgusted. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you like this guy. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. I've been in the Air Force for 33 years. I retired this June. He's the ISIL man of the year, by the way. What Mr. Trump is doing, and I don't think he has a clue about anything. He's just trying to get his numbers up and get the biggest reaction he can. He's putting uh, our soldiers and diplomats at risk. He's empowering the enemy. And this ban, if it's actually enacted, would take people who have been interpreters, who came to our side in Iraq and Afghanistan, who are under siege in their own countries, and basically becomes a death sentence for them. That was Lindsey Graham. That was not that long ago. And by the way, doesn't that situation that he just described and spoke out against sound an awful lot like what... Donald Trump just did to the Kurds? Yes! I mean, how can Lindsey Graham show his fucking face? Whether or not he believes what we hear him say today or what you just heard him say a few years ago, I don't even fucking care. I mean, who knows? Maybe he loves Donald Trump. Maybe he believes what you just heard, that he's not suitable for office. But either way, he's hollow. If his plan was to kind of get in with Trump and keep him on the straight and narrow, he has failed. He has failed so spectacularly that I think he deserves, you know, one of these and many more. These people, I mean, it's like, what? I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take. Moving right along. What else is in the news? So. Trump loses yet again in New York tax case and is ordered to hand over those returns. Yep. Today, a federal appeals court ruled that Donald Trump's tax returns must be turned over to Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance, who had subpoenaed the documents from Trump's accounting firm as part of an investigation into the pre-election payoffs to two women who had affairs with Donald Trump. Now, I'm pretty sure this is the third court ruling in this case all with identical verdicts. They took it to a district court, lost, appealed to the Second Circuit, lost, then came this round, and they've lost. Now, will Trump finally go ahead and comply and stop being the worst cunt on the face of the earth? Are you some damned moron? So today, his lawyer, Jay Sekulow, the lawyer who isn't Rudy Giuliani, said that, No, of course not. They plan to take it to the Supreme Court. Now, I'm shocked. I I did not see that coming. The three-judge panel wrote in their decision today that, quote, any presidential immunity from state criminal process does not extend to investigative steps like the grand jury subpoena 
at issue here. They affirmed the lower court's ruling on that question. Now, Cyrus Vance is seeking to obtain eight years of Trump's tax documents through the accounting firm because he wants to evaluate the Trump organization's role in the payouts to Stormy Daniels, remember her, and the ex-Playboy model, Karen McDougal, as well as the reimbursements made to Trump's former longtime friend and attorney, Michael Cohen, who is now rotting in jail thanks to longtime friend Donald Trump. Some friend he is, right? He's a, serving a three-year federal prison sentence, all for crimes committed in service to Donald Trump. Now, in this case, Donald Trump has argued that state authorities can't investigate him. You can't investigate me. I'm, 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 I'm the president. Even if he were to, get this, shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue in New York City. And that's not a joke. They actually brought that up in court. They said, Donald Trump's lawyers, they argued that the immunity provides blanket coverage for his business, his family members, his business associates. Uh, think about that for a second. Donald Trump's lawyers argued in court that not only could Donald Trump shoot and kill someone and have no ramifications for it, but so could Ivanka, so could Barron, so could the person who works at the Trump organization, but he's not related. Wh Are you serious? They made that argument. Last week, one of the three federal judges named Denny Chin, he asked Trump attorney William Consovoy if local authorities could investigate Trump for shooting someone in the middle of Manhattan while he was in office. If they saw him take out a gun and shoot someone, could they investigate him? No, his lawyer said. No, they couldn't. Now, it sounds almost comical, right? It would be comical if I didn't worry that the Supreme Court would let us down. It would be, now think about this. Three courts have ruled unanimously in one way, which means there's really not a whole lot of, you know, room for interpretation here. It seems pretty clear and obvious. If, in fact, the Supreme Court rules in favor of Donald Trump, which they did when it comes to the Muslim ban, then that would be it. That would be a, it's scary to think about it. And I don't, I mean, just, but it could happen. It certainly could happen. Moving right along. Also in the news. So today, four senior White House officials defied subpoenas and they refused to testify. Awesome. Top National Security Lawyer John Eisenberg, National Security Council Lawyer Michael Ellis, National Security Aide Robert Blair, and Budget Official Brian McCormick, they all just refused to appear for their scheduled depositions today. Ironic how a number of these men are lawyers, but they seemed completely unbothered by the fact that they were breaking the law. You can't defy subpoenas. You can't just not show up. But they did. And for what? I mean, they could actually be held in contempt of court. They could go to jail for that. And what would be the point? To make Donald Trump happy? The White House will likely see this as a big win, considering they have failed to prevent a bunch of other senior officials from testifying. But whatever floats their boat. The, to be honest, the Democrats have likely heard all they really need. They've heard from multiple credible witnesses, most of whom were not willing to break laws and put themselves at risk of going to jail for the worst human being on the planet. And who can blame them? Nobody. Moving right along. Oh, yes. So Donald Trump lately, mostly via Twitter, of course, where else, has been desperately, frantically trying to 
find out the identity of that original whistleblower. He's been tweeting, obsessing, shouting around like a psychiatric patient about the original whistleblower ever since the news broke in mid-September of what he had done. Now get this, hilariously, he seems oblivious, totally unbothered by the fact that since the news broke, multiple officials, many of whom we know the names and positions of, have come forward to corroborate and elaborate on what the whistleblower had to say regarding Trump, Ukraine, and the infamous quid pro quo. But Trump wants the original. He wants to know who that original whistleblower was. And let me just say this. The whistleblower could turn out to be Melania. It could be Trump's mother. It could be Donald himself. It wouldn't matter. The second he found out who it was, he would take to Twitter and bash and try and discredit them because that's what he does. He would use ridiculous, meaningless insults to try and, I don't know, somehow make them uncredible. If it was Donald Trump, he'd say, what, I did it? Well, look, fuck, I'm a never Trumper. You can't believe anything I say. Lock him up. Imbecile. There were reports this weekend saying that the whistleblower was actually willing to testify, at least to some degree but he would likely only want to do written questions and answers, seeing as how he's clearly being hunted by Trump and probably his minions. Now, hilariously, Trump, who, by the way, let's remember, would only answer written questions from Robert Mueller, he said that was unacceptable. (laughs) Okay, because he has a say. There have been stories written about a certain individual, a male, and they say he's the whistleblower. If he's the whistleblower, he has no credibility. Oh, I'm shocked to hear you say that. And by the way, once again, they say, they're saying this. There's no they. Because he's a Brennan guy. He's a Susan Rice guy. He's an Obama guy. Get that? He's a Brennan guy. He's a Susan Rice guy. He's an Obama guy. Okay. And he hates Trump. Well, yeah, if he's alive. Well, because the whistleblower's identity is not public, he can say whatever he wants about the whistleblower. Well, but there's no proof of any of that. I mean, what he just said is nonsense. There's honestly not a shred of evidence any of that is true. true. And it's more than that, which is the president is asking to out a whistleblower, which in and of itself is something that should raise eyebrows. Let's check in with our guests. Joining us now is CNN chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin and CNN legal analyst Laura Coates. Great to have both of you. Jeffrey, is unmasking the whistleblower intentionally illegal? Yes, it's illegal. I mean, th- this is, you know, there's a Whistleblower Protection Act. If this were a private company, the board would fire the CEO for behaving this way towards a whistleblower. I mean, this is, the whole whistleblower idea is that they should have uh, protections, yeah. anonymity, much less be attacked by the president of the United States. And here, the whistleblower is is factually irrelevant because... The whistleblower just said from the beginning, I have secondhand information. Go talk to the people who have firsthand. That's what's been done. So, I mean, this is just pure harassment. And and nonsense. But have you noticed there's a theme here tonight? Defying subpoenas, unmasking whistleblowers, not turning over tax returns when three courts have said you have to. That's what gets my blood boiling. You couldn't get away with this. I certainly couldn't get away with this. And all of those people who love Donald Trump, who support him and would vote for him, even if they saw him murder someone, they couldn't get away with this. 
I don't understand how anybody can look at Donald Trump and not be disgusted. Donald Trump was out there saying, look, the whistleblower gave false information and they dealt with corrupt politician, shifty shift. Mr. Dumbass. He must be brought forward to testify. Written answers are not acceptable. Where is the second whistleblower? He disappeared. What are you talking about? I mean, what the fuck is he talking about? Nothing. Now, by the way, he seems totally busy with, you know, running the country and stuff. Right? Right. Please. <laughs> My God. Moving right along. Okay. So, Nancy Pelosi, who I feel like is really our, I mean, well, she's our general in this war. She went on Stephen Colbert's show a few nights ago. And, you know, it's funny because I had these clips that I used to sometimes play from when she was on Jimmy Kimmel a few months ago. And I think it is always, I think it is good to hear from her. And I think she uses these appearances to communicate to the general public because people watch those more than they would ever watch some kind of press briefing. Here's a little bit of what uh, she had to say to Stephen Colbert. It's very sad. We don't want to impeach a president. We don't want the reality that a president has done something that is in violation of the Constitution. But it was more uh, about so much had happened before. And I had not been, uh, shall we say, enthusiastic about the divisiveness that would occur from a impeachment, weighing the equities. I had said then he's not worth impeaching because it's even going to divide the f country further than he has already divided it. Mm -hmm. But this was something that you could not ignore. In one conversation, he undermined our national security by withholding military assistance to a country that had been voted on by the Congress of the United States to the benefit of the Russians. At the same time, he jeopardized the integrity of our elections, the heart of our democracy. And in doing so, in my view, he possibly violated his oath of office to protect, defend, and preserve the Constitution of the United States. Do you have any doubt? Because you say possibly. What is, what, what is the shred of doubt for you there? Because if you are extorting a foreign government in order to investigate your political rivals, what doubt is there that he's trying to undermine uh, and tamper with our elections using a foreign power? Well, some people believe that this is one of the investigations where the smoking gun came out first, and that call was a smoking gun. Right. However, in, in all fairness, to give people the opportunity to have uh, prove their innocence, whatever, what's right. the interpretation of this or that, and on the other hand, have corroboration of what happened, we have the inquiry, and we will have the public hearings coming up soon. It, see, it seems like it's, a, it's like an investigation truly in reverse, in that we found the guy with the bloody knife in his hand and the dead body. Now the investigation is to find if enough people care. Not even if enough people care, but it's like, now it's just, can we navigate whatever the Republicans, whatever nonsense they just come up with? I mean, which makes me mad, because it makes me mad that they are even doing that. I mean, it just seems so antithetical to what their actual job is. And it was funny because throughout the interview, it was a long interview, but throughout the whole conversation, you know, Stephen Colbert, it is a comedy show. So he would make jokes and kind of be hamming it up and she would laugh politely, but you could tell she was there to send a message out. She wasn't, she was serious. 
And she really went, she drove the messaging home. And I thought it was effective. I really do. You know, I, I've said this before and I've wavered a little bit from time to time because I do think that, I do think there were plenty of opportunities earlier on to start this process. But I, I do trust in Nancy Pelosi. Recognizing the seriousness of it, there's probably no more serious vote that members could take. Nobody comes to Congress to impeach a president. That's not our, pur our purpose to go there, work together, at co competition of ideas uh, to get the best result for the American people. This is about the truth. It's about the truth and the Constitution. Yeah. Last question, Madam Speaker. Um, now, every Republican has rolled the bones that you don't have enough to impeach the president. No, no. <laughs> they all voted against it. They've all said, she's got nothing. They don't have what it takes to impeach the president. Are you looking at Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the Republicans and saying, do you feel lucky, punk? Again, it's about the Constitution. It's about the Constitution. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, what those people fought for, and thank God they made it amendable so that we could expand freedom over time. And it's about three co-equal branches of government. We're honoring our oath of office. We're there to strengthen the institution in which we serve. And if they don't want to do that, that's their problem. But uh, it's interesting because they've been talking process, 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 because they know they can't really go near the substance. Right. If the Constitution has the goods on President Trump, <laughs> uh, to put it in your vernacular, um, it's already a rough political landscape. Are you prepared for how rough it's going to get? Because you know the not guy's not going to go easy. Oh, yeah. No, I... street fight. Well, what I, I got this beautiful honor last night, the Linda B. John, LBJ Award. And in my, when I was accepting it, I told them two stories. And one of them is, I'll be quick, one of them was, because they said, what advice would you give people who want to run for office? And I told them they have to have their vision and their knowledge and their strategic thinking and their connection to the aspirations of their constituents. But I said, it's, this is not for the faint of heart. So if you want to go into the arena, you have to be prepared to take a punch. But you also have to be prepared to throw a punch for the children. For the children. <laughs> throw a punch. For the children. For the children. I love that. All right, you're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. And that's what's going on in the news and what's going on in the world. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. And that's all, and okay, we'll be back. After more than a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late-night conference calls, and early Saturday morning meetings, the Me team is happy and proud to present to you the Me bottle. This double-insulated, reusable stainless steel bottle disinfects water in a 60-second cycle utilizing UVC LED technology and is 99.9% .9 effective against E. coli. A single charge via micro USB lasts up to 30 days, and the bright LED display lets you know when water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to all. Rinse your bottle and drink to you and me. Find out more at mebottle.com. This is the next best thing. Don't go. So, I caught real time with Bill Maher last Friday night, and Dennis Prager was on the panel. Dennis Prager is a conservative, 
uh, he he's a writer. He I think he hosts a radio show, and he also tours with of all people Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla has a very well known podcast. He also hosted the Man Show with Jimmy Kimmel for a long time. Anyway, so he uh, Dennis Prager is a conservative guy, but he's I've you know on many occasions I've found him to be fairly reasonable, and believe it or not. He and I tend to see eye to eye on certain things, certain things like the kind of perver perversion of political correctness, how people, often people who are the most hypersensitive about certain words and whatnot are people who A, are not in the group they're claiming to stand up for, and B, are so far off the mark that they're really, really actually harming their cause. But that's neither here nor there. So I saw him on Real Time with Bill Maher and was very stunned and saddened to find that, holy shit, we don't we don't see eye to eye on anything. He is just as fucking crazy as all the other goddamn Republicans. What has happened? So I have a, a slightly dissenting view. Uh-huh. Uh, the the Democrats never accepted. I think I think we can most of us can agree on this. Democrats did not accept the fact that he defeated Hillary Clinton. Horseshit! Yeah, what? What? I mean, that is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Anywho, so luckily, Bill Maher was actually on the show as opposed to me who was just yelling at the television. So Bill Maher actually did respond as I would have. Yes, so, they did. Uh, no, they, well, I'll prove it. They just pointed out that it was in the electoral That's correct. That's called winning. It, uh, in no one, da- no one of, said it wasn't on yeah, the left. Yes, so they have not accepted it. I didn't say they didn't accept it legally. I, I don't accept they didn't that. They You're wrong about that? Then how come there is such a massive movement on the part of the Democratic Party to eliminate the Electoral College? Because they don't want because, this to happen. They okay. regret it ever happened. Then they tried to get rid of him through the Russia collusion well, thing. I, the Russia collusion, collusion thing didn't turn out to be anything. Hell no! Once again, you, I, once again, now this is an important thing that I have to point out. What he did right there was conflate two issues. One is completely a non-issue that he just made up. And that's the idea of Democrats not accepting that Trump won the election. I don't even know what the fuck he is talking about. Two, the electoral college issue. Now he's made it so that he's trying to say that anyone who has voiced some concerns regarding the Electoral College is doing so because of Donald Trump? Wrong. People have been voicing such concerns since I was a very, very young kid. I remember because when I was in the fourth grade, that's when Al Gore got 500,000 more votes and lost. And I'll never forget, I remember going to school that day. It was actually weeks after the election because it took that long to actually get an answer. I won't call it a winner because, again, I, I, I don't understand. See, here's the thing. As a 10-year-old, it, it was unfathomable to me. I couldn't comprehend the idea of somebody. I knew these two men were running for president. And when it was explained to me that this man over here had gotten 500,000 more votes than this guy over there, but this guy over there won That didn't make sense to me. And here I am, 19 years later, 
And it still doesn't make sense to me. And that is why. That is really the problem with the Electoral College. When I, if you ask me what my problem with the Electoral College is, it's not, I don't initially think Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump sucks, but, you know, I don't blame him for the Electoral College. Here's why Democrats don't like the Electoral College. And it's absolutely something that Republicans couldn't possibly understand because it's never happened to them. Think about this for a second. Since 1992, there have been seven, count it, seven presidential elections. The Democratic candidate has won the popular vote. And by that, I mean the Democratic candidate has gotten more votes in six of those seven elections. But they only won four. That's why people don't, that's why Democrats perhaps don't like the Electoral College. Because it's absolute horseshit. And guess how many times the Republican has gotten more votes and lost? None! Zero. Never happened. Why? Because it's a struggle for them to get more votes, as we can see. That is why the Electoral College sucks. It's an antiquated system that doesn't make any sense. And by the way, put it in perspective for you. So Hillary Clinton, as we all know, got about 3 million more votes than Donald Trump did. To put that in perspective, 3 million, that is the entire population of Wyoming, Vermont, Alaska, North Dakota, and South Dakota combined. Now, like it or not, those five states, they are states. And that's five, five out of 50. That's 10% of the whole country. Wyoming, Vermont, Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota. Combine all those states and all of those votes went down the toilet because apparently it didn't help her win. That's horseshit and that's why the Electoral College is insane, Dennis Prager. But don't worry, he had more insanity to, to disperse. Look, we all heard the exact same callus, or at least saw the same transcript. I did not see a quid pro quo, and 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 I don't know how you did. You can say it is implied. You could say that they it's inferred in it. the transcript. It's not in the transcript. Okay. Read the this transcript. Is, this is sad. And by the way, oh, no, no, it is sad. The by the way, this it's sad that we it, can't even agree correct. when it's in black and no, white. No, no, it's sad that we can't agree on what reality is. Exactly. And the hatred of Trump is so great. It's not. That. I think it distorts people's perception of reality. Dennis, what I think the love is you, what is how, distorting. How many people in this audience truly believe Russia undermined our democracy? Uh, that's, that's, that's my point. That is, that yes, is because a he, because they, they did. They did nothing essential, nothing. But, okay, they can't okay, undermine okay. our okay. democracy. It, it's a what? way too strong democracy. They took out ads in Facebook. That undermined our democracy? Do you understand how pathetic we sound? That's pathetic. Okay. We're not a pathetic country. Well, Hello? They did, Hello? They did more than that. No, 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 no. That just makes me want to drop kick him right in that flabby neck of his. I started talking about Dennis Prager by saying that he was a conservative who I tended to find reasonable, who actually I could see eye to eye with on certain subjects. Well, <laughs> what a what a dumbass I am apparently, right? That what he just said about the whole Facebook thing is just such and it's interesting too. It's such rank ignorance. Such like 
really almost embarrassingly ignorant thing to say. But that's ironic because Dennis Prager will often say on his radio show how he is an intellectual and he will have a conversation with anybody about anything. But then, you know, on the left, they don't want to have an argument. They just want to talk about emotions and this and that. They don't want to have an actual debate. He, he, he really, he promotes himself as the intellectual, the most reasonable public intellectual that there is nowadays. Anyone who calls himself an intellectual, it's kind of like someone who calls himself a um, very stable genius. Typically, very stable geniuses don't ever think to call themselves stable geniuses, but that's neither here nor there. When you have an election that was razor, that was won by a razor-thin margin, or really won by a fucking fluke, because the guy who got fewer votes, three million fewer votes, wins, well, then anything anything, subliminal messages, telephone calls, whatever, has an effect, number one. Number two, there are a tiny fraction of young people nowadays who are not on Facebook. Most young people are on Facebook for at least, you know, whether it's five minutes to an hour and a half a day. So when you have an election that is won by a razor-thin margin, think about it. If you're on Facebook and you're just kind of glancing over your friend's feed, news feed, whatever, and off to the side, you see a, an ad that says, you know, Hillary Clinton's email server back in the news. It was illegal and she will go to jail and face years in prison or whatever. Do you notice it? Do you care about it? Do you even remember it? Who knows? But, in, but when you go to the booth, it very well might have an effect, especially if you don't really give a fuck about politics and you see that and you think, oh my gosh, she's in the news again. Man, she just has too much baggage. I'll vote for someone else or I won't vote at all. That alone has a huge fucking effect. She lost Michigan by 10,000 votes. For him to say such a dumbass thing makes me embarrassed for him. Embarrassed for him. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. All right, well, that just about does it for this week's edition of The Next Best Thing. Folks, like I say at the end of every show, and I mean it more and more each week, apathy is the real enemy. More than anything, apathy. Apathy is the enemy. Watch the news, read a paper, know what's going on, and care about what's going on. Have an opinion, take some action, and maybe even make a change. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Until next week, folks, remember... In the end, just remember, we shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome